How we doing, everybody? I'm going to take you today through the tunnel, all the way down to Texas, Houston and San Antonio to be exact. We're going to look into the recruiting scene down that I-10 corridor, two-thirds of the Great Triangle in Texas. And we got a great panel. We've got Lupe Nunez from San Antonio, director of Texas Hard Work and Under Armour Association team. We've got Richard Law, a good friend from South Alabama Jag. That's how I got to know him. I used to be a coach at South Alabama. Now coaches with JL3 and also uh, used to be with Houston Hoops. He's got a great history of being a, a baller himself in uh, Houston, all the way into college and now coaching. And then Marcus Sloan, another Houston baller, now doing scouting service uh, and, and basketball events with On the Radar Hoops, a real great advocate for the youth uh, within Houston and making sure all those guys really get seen. Um, we could not take you through the tunnel without uh, the help of our sponsor, Dr. Dish. Follow them on Twitter at Dr. Dish B Ball to get tips, inspiration, uh, different drills, different ways that you can position that uh, machine to feed you passes and get really creative in your development. Right now, it's so important that we get creative and, and smart in this pandemic within the development. Going to get a, a passer that never gets tired. Um, and oh, by the way, if you've got a machine and you want to upgrade, you can do that with their trade-in program. Mention this ad through Rising Coaches. Get $300 off. No better time than now to take advantage of these deals and these opportunities with Dr. Dish and get really creative. And maybe we could be talking about your guys on Through the Tunnel. Uh, without any further ado, let's take it to the panel. Okay, coaches, we are now through the tunnel here with, with my guys from down in Texas, Richard Law, Marcus Sloan, Lupe Nunez. Uh, you guys know who they are. We've talked a little bit about their background. So let's just get right to it. Uh, Marcus, I'm going to come to you. Richard, you follow up. Uh, tell us, out-of-towners, um, you know, Houston's a big city. It's uh, the third largest city, if I'm not mistaken, um, in the nation. Uh, break down the city of Houston and, and the wards. I know there's different wards. Talk a little bit about that, Marcus. Um, so, you know, in the um, you know, kind of the main wards people hear about all the time are third ward and fifth ward. So, you know, third ward is on the south side of town. That's where um, Yates High School, the fame high school is, is um right heart, you know, heart and in, in, in right in the middle, smack dab at third ward. And then Fifth Ward is where some of the older folks listening is where Wheatley High School is, and so those are the two most popular wards. And then there's Fourth Ward, which is kind of near the downtown area. Um, but but the the main wards people always hear about is Third Ward and Fifth Ward, and they both have a lot of rich tradition in our city, basketball wise and culture wise too. Um, like I said, back in the '60s and '70s, Wheatley High School winning state championships at, at in Fifth Ward, and then Gates having their run in the kind of early 2000s. Um, just, you know, rich basketball history in both wards. Rich, uh, expound upon it a little bit. It, just r- residents from Houston, if we were to, to generalize, uh, you know, families from Houston, w- what are they like? Well, I mean, you know, Sloan was in just right, right dab in the city. Um, I mean, Houston is so much bigger than that. You'd be on the south side. You know, I grew up in the Clear Lake area, which is south of Houston a little bit. Then you go all the way up to the Woodlands or west all the way out to Katy and east all the way out to, you know, the Humble and Tascacita. And it's just such a, a big, big city. But as far as the family life, I mean, for the most part, you're not going to find better people in the country right here in Texas anyways. And the Houston lifestyle, the, the families – I've never really had any really big problems with families down here, even growing up um, and all that kind of stuff. So it's a great city, uh, enriched with a lot of talent, and it's a huge population. So, and basketball, really probably late 90s, started started on the threshold of overtaking football a little bit. Not saying it's ever going to do that, but it's working on that that way. It, is is Houston more of a transplant city, or is it just naturally a large city and it's it's kind of maintained its its identity that way? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. 
Um, I think, um, you know, Hurricane Katrina um, put a lot of kids in Houston. Um, a lot of families leaving New Orleans and Louisiana are now residents of Houston. Um, the guard that played at Texas played a high tower Augustine is a um, Katrina um, kind of transplant here in Houston. And, you know, obviously other families coming from that area, coming from that city during that time, uh, you know, came and now there are, you know, have residents here in Houston, but Houston for the most part, um, like you said, it's, it's, it's a huge city. Um, there's always been talent going back in the 60s and 50s in Houston. Yeah. Elite level talent. Okay, and we're gonna we're gonna touch on on the talent uh, a little bit later, Lupe. Let me let me come to you. Uh, you're you're based down in in San Antonio. Talk to us a little bit about that area, um, similarities, differences, and what's unique to San Antonio, just as the people. You know, San Antonio's a a, a big family city. I would say, you know, uh, I think it's trending a little more hippier, right? As as it's in the last three to five years, but traditionally it's a very conservative city. You know, we were usually, I would say, 10 years behind the wave of everything, right? As far as from even architectural to style to to everything, right? So it, it, you can see it as, as I would say, there's a lot more millennials moving to San Antonio than I've ever seen in my life. You know, I'd say in the mid-90s, if, if you weren't married, you didn't have a girl, you were shit out because, uh, you know, it wasn't a single city. It, it, was, it was a place you kind of came to raise family. Um, now I can see it trending more millennials moving in. I think some more high tech jobs, a lot more corporations moving into the city. And it's also become more diverse. I'll be honest with you, you know, it's, it's, you know, predominantly Hispanic, you know, with Anglos and some African-Americans, but it's become a lot more diverse than, than ever, than ever I've seen. You know, I went to UTSA and, you know, when I was there, it was a big commuter city and, and, you know, you kind of look around and now and, you know, we're on campus, I guess, last year and, and both my wife and I went to UTSA. And I mean, it's uh, I look at her and I said, man, if it holds here now, you guys might have a chance because it's a little different than it was when we were here before. But it's it's changed. It's it's changed from a, uh, I guess, a conservative city to more of an open mind. Good people, just really good people in San Antonio. Great place to raise a family, uh, man. You know, really have no complaints about living here. Yeah, and and with the the change in the uh, evolution, if you will, Lupe, um, I would imagine and that that kind of lends to more people, um, right? An influx of population, and then just more opportunity for for basketball, um, but also for football, right? So, Richard, you you touched a little bit on it. Texas is always a football state, right? That's that's what it's always been, right, Rich? Like. Let's let's expand a little bit upon on that transition because I think that's important as we talk about recruiting. Yeah. I mean, it's always traditionally, I mean, as long as I've lived here, it's always been a big football state. I mean, kind of like with Marcus and we were talking about earlier, you know, my family moved here from California and, you know, I don't have any deep roots in the state of Texas outside of my family. But Ever since that, I've always known football, football, football here. And the only reason why I was basketball because my dad played basketball at the University of Miami. So that's kind of where all that came from. Now, now, Marcus, with you mentioned obviously having elite athletes in Houston, right? Um, how many of those elite athletes are getting pulled over to football that we maybe don't see um, and, and could totally – you know, change an influx of the talent? And is there a transition or, or change of the guards, as you alluded to? I mean, even right now, um, I think last Sunday there were eight starting quarterbacks who were born in, or played high school football in the state of Texas, the NFL, last weekend. So um, football, in my opinion, will always be king. Um, the, it's, it's a kid here in Houston, a dual-sport athlete, Ruben Father, we call him Big Deuce. He's one of the best tight end, I mean, the best offensive lineman in the country, but he's a really good basketball player too. Um, and I think if he would have focused on basketball all his high school career, he probably, he probably would have been a top 100 basketball player possibly in the country. Um, it's, it's just, man, like high school coaches here, um, especially now, um, they, they, they kind of prefer that the kids do both. Um, and e even the kid Vernon Broughton, you know, law kind of knows he was a 2020 graduate. Yeah. He was a basketball player his whole life until probably his last two years of high school. 
he ends up getting a scholarship to play football at Texas. Now, you know, he's, he's getting minutes at Texas as a true freshman. So um, just the, 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 the athleticism here in the state will always be off the charts. Yeah. Now, you mentioned something there, Marcus. The coaches now are okay, want the guys to play both. Has that not always been the case? No, that has not always been the case. Um, no. I, I mean, I, even I got a story personally. I was playing football all the way through eighth grade. And when I got freshman at the school I was at, I pretty much had to choose either football or basketball. And I, I chose to go with basketball. Yeah, it's, it's 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 the same here. You know, I think what you see a lot of people fail to realize in the state of Texas and now just recently, but the majority of the time, basketball coaches coach football. Head basketball coaches coached football. It's not, I mean, it, it's trended off lately in the last, I'd say, what, guys, probably less 10 years maybe. But when I was less in high school, like maybe less. less than that. I mean, it, it got to where the football, the, the high school, excuse me, the head basketball coach was coaching football and then they put him in kind of filming on Friday night and filming practice. And then he kind of, you know, they fought enough to kind of get rid of all the football duties. So, I mean, you got to think about it, right? I mean, the athletic director, 99% of the time is going to be a head football coach. And so you're sitting in that, that one big open, you know, everybody's been into the field house, right? One big open office and you got your little desk there, right there. And so you got 13 football coaches and you're kind of the only basketball guy. And they're looking at you saying, Dan, why are you holding all the skill players? And that's how they're looking at you. I mean, you got all the skill players over there, like, you know, and they're looking at you sideways a little bit. So now it's like, shit, you got to be at practice at five in the morning and you got to stay till 10 at night just to make life hell on you until you decide maybe you can share athletes. And then you have to go to smaller schools. And, at the, and especially here in San Antonio, because we don't have the population of the Houston and the Dallases where kids don't tend to specialize as much. You still have some. The top tier kids will specialize, but I would say 95% of the kids uh, that will play both sports. And, Coach, even here in Houston, like some of the smaller schools, um, I would say 98% of the assistant basketball coaches also are assistant football coaches for sure. That's right. That's right. You probably go up to 99 on that, Sloan. I mean, it's it's right there. I mean, it's right there. That's an interesting dynamic because if I'm recruiting a basketball player, right, and most of our listeners are, are college coaches or players that want to get recruited, I mean, if you're that spread out thin, it's going to be hard for me to to get get you on the phone and and talk to you about a guy, especially in the fall. You know, we got signing period. You know, right now as we're taping this today is signing period, right? So that that could create a, a an obstacle, right? Or or is there a a methodology around that. Well, I think now that's where the whole guys with scouting services and summer coaches kind of come in, you know. Uh, I also think that's a big reason why that, you know, at one point there was a rift kind of here in this here in the state between AAU coaches and high school coaches because like you just said, the high school coach had so many other responsibilities. They weren't really kind of locked in to AAU or kind of focusing on what their kids were doing in the summer because they had to get ready for football in July and August. That that's really interesting. So let's, let's take it a step back even further. Let's talk about when kids are young, right? They're, they're eight, nine, 10, 11 coming up the ranks. Describe the, the basketball scene. Uh, Rich, I'll start with you and then toss it to you, Lupe. Talk, talk about the youth basketball scene and how players are cultivated, uh, in Houston and in San Antonio? Man, I've really got to see it all, you know, all the way around because before I came down to the group I brought up there when you were up in Maryland, um, I I started with them in the fifth grade. And before that, the only group I knew were 17 U guys that I was coaching. That's how I got my start in AAU basketball. And I've been able to see it kind of grow from the ground up where there's so many kids – that are playing basketball at such a young age, AAU organized and um, this, that, and the other. And it starts like at a young age now where a lot of these kids that used to be playing football, basketball, baseball, and all these other sports are, you know, specializing in uh, basketball or whatever sport they choose at such a young age. And, you know, most of those kids I, I had them in my group when I brought them up there in seventh grade, Outside of track and field, I don't think any of them played any other sport. 
So it is getting a lot more specialized even down here in Texas. Uh, not not saying that you don't have like a deuce like what someone was talking about. You still have those kind of kids, but the the numbers on them are probably you know slimming down a little bit. Lupe, uh, how about down in in your neck of the woods? You know, I think it's it's similar in in such a way where you know a lot like law. I got into it, and I've been able to see the kids grow from you know second, third grade all the way through now that they're in college and. You know, and actually the city of Houston had us change our ways. I'll be honest with you. When we were younger and, and we'd go over there and we'd play in, uh, was that Spring Bling and uh, Lamar Holt's deal or or the Ronald Sears and, and uh, uh, Clyde's deal. And, you know, we get to Saturday and Sunday, I'm getting my ass kicked. I'm like, God dang, all these big old kids, right? So we had a bunch of skilled, specialized kids. So, you know, what I started doing, I started going to recruit the best football players. So I went to youth foot. We went to youth football games, and we went and got all the big kids, all the big strong kids. I said, "Man, I need some athletes, and we'll figure out how to make you a basketball player." You know, and that only lasted so long, right? And then it turned out, and they either become straight basketball or straight football guys. But a lot of our early talented kids, I think we have, they're I think six or seven kids that signed high major football that came through through hard work at the time as as basketball players and were really good basketball players in elementary, middle school, and then they kind of phased out. And so, you know, when we started seeing that trend and then we said, well, man, we put all this time in with the kid from second grade to ninth grade only, you know, you're eventually going to lose, lose them to football. It's kind of like, man, we just got to take our licks and stick with the kids who like losses want to specialize a little more. But I will say I'll push a kid to football. If a kid's not going to not going to spend the extra time at the gym and he's kind of being stagnant and they give 85 scholarships, I tell man, it might be time to go put a helmet on, bro. Because you don't want to get a gym and, and put in all this extra work. They can, they're going to find – if you're an athlete, they'll find a place for you on the field. We all know that. And, and you know, there's 85 scholarships. So it's pretty much the same in, in San Antonio as, that, as it is in Houston. I would say probably the rest of the state. Yeah, and I would, I would also add this thought, especially for the listeners out there. You evaluate a kid, um, and, and I've, I've noticed this in Alabama when I lived there, Louisiana kids – where football was was kind of the predominant sport at a, at a young age. Um, once those kids and Marcus, uh, give me your thoughts on this because you've evaluated a lot of kids at a lot of different stages. Once a kid does kind of trend over to specializing, their trajectory kind of takes off a little bit, right? And so, if I'm evaluating a ninth or tenth or eleventh grader that I know has spent a lot of time playing other sports, I know when they come to my campus and they're playing just basketball then they might have a, a propensity to really take off. What do you think, Marcus? What have you noticed in that trend? Uh, I'll, I'll give you guys a prime example of a guy who graduated in Richard Law's class, Vince Young. Um, <laughs> he was doing both for a very long time. And he was pretty good at bat. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, he was a really good high school basketball player. Like, very good. Elite level <clears throat> athlete basketball player. But he, he flipped it the other way, Coach. He decided, I'm going to just specialize and be a quarterback. So his junior year in high school, he was like, listen, I'm gonna leave, I'll leave basketball alone um, after this year. He specialized in quarterbacking. He became the number one quarterback in the country. Um, and so on the basketball side, it it kind of tends to go that way too. Like you'll see these kids. And so I also have like fall leagues and stuff. And some of these youth football leagues, they go from August till January. You know, we're talking about nine, ten years old kids tackling, you know, in helmets, shoulder pads for six months. And so then when they get to the eighth and ninth grade, and they're, now they're like 6'5", they're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to do strictly basketball. Or now they're more physical. They're more athletic. They're, you know, above the square. And it's like they have all these kind of like toughness um, characteristics that, that you can't really teach, you know, but because they play football at such a young age, now they're basketball players, they're toughness, and, and they're, they are ahead of the curve for sure in that, in that uh, area. Okay, you just hit something on the head that I want to focus on uh, before I go on to the next uh, question that I had in my mind. If I were to describe a uh, a Texas baller, okay, Houston, San Antonio, um, you know, we'll we'll talk to Dallas another time. We'll we'll make sure they they get their time too. But if we're stereotyping a Texas baller, I'm I'm on my uh, uh, 2K and I'm making a player, what what are the, the attributes that a Texas baller uh, is going to have at least a successful one. Uh, Marcus, I'll start with you, then we'll go to Lupe. Uh, you got to be athletic. Um, you got to have toughness. got to have size. Um, 
and he's got to be like have a kind of a killer mentality for sure. Um, just because, like you said earlier, there's so many kids that play football here. Um, the ones that are at the top, you know, especially towards the end, they have a kind of a killer mentality. They're really athletic. They're tough. Um, but now what I will say, too, over the last, and I think Lupe and Law can attest to this, over the last five to seven years, our kids here have gotten more skill, too. Um, the, the the skill level has really, really improved. You look at kids like, you know, Lupe, the son, Austin Nunez, is really skilled. Kids like Bryce Griggs are really skilled. And those two guys aren't super athletes, so they have to use their IQ and, and their skill set um, when they play. So I, I, I say you have to throw that in all day too. You know, now they're they, they do have a high skill set here in Texas. Lupe, yeah, kind of piggybacking off that, and I think one that kind of people forget. About, I think we also have, and especially here in San Antonio, because we don't have the athletes that Dallas and Houston have. So our kids have to be skilled, and they got to know how to play the game. I think I think feel. And, and knowing how to play the game with other high-level athletes, I think we're doing a better job as a state. Because before we were, we were just a bunch of fast-running, jumping, athletic, mean, strong, you know, kids. And then, you know, you run into some super-skilled kids that, that are just as athletic. And it's like, whoa, okay, you know, we, we got to spend some more time in the gym shooting the ball. And I think we've, as a state, we've become more skilled. I think as a state, we've learned how to play the game better mentally. I think the IQ level. And I think as a state, we've been putting more. I'm not saying we're there yet, but we're putting, we're putting probably as much, if not the most emphasis of being, you always hear one thing. Like guys, if you go to any rec league and there's guys over the age of 40 that are still playing, they have one thing in common. They shoot the basketball. Yeah. And I think that we're starting to put an emphasis on you better be able to shoot the ball at a high clip at regardless what position you are to play this game for a long time. And I think it's probably been emphasized more and I've heard it more from, you know, uh, grassroots guys, from guys like Sloan, guys like, you know, Alan Branches, the Jimmy Hickses. Everyone says, can he shoot the ball? Can he shoot the ball? And I think that's becoming probably emphasized more than ever, in my opinion. Yeah, the prevalence of that in the college game is, is that much more important. You got – uh, you know, the analytics side of everything is, is coming into to the equation. So being able to shoot the trade ball is is, is absolutely crucial. Um, now I want to talk a little bit about uh, just kind of painting the landscape of scholastic basketball uh, in Houston. So if I'm coming out and recruiting, uh, you know, during the school year, obviously I've, I've met most of you guys. Actually, I've met all three of you guys through high school events that we just all happen to be at, right? So, um, Richard, I'll start with you. Let's, let's break down public school ball, private school ball. Um, like, give, give me a, the lay of the land for the novice uh, Texas recruiter. What, what's, what kind of goes into the, these institutions and, and what do they look like in the leagues and all that? Well, I mean, I, I, I was part of uh, the private school for about 10 years at St. Thomas High School. And, you know, I was a part of when Julius Randall was at Prestonwood, Justice Winslow was at St. John's, and you have these high academic schools that were able to get in some athlete, uh, basketball guys, and, and all that stuff. I mean, even at St. Thomas, at our highest peak, we had Christian Sanders go to Stanford. We had Jeremy King, Loyola, Chicago, and Chase Brogdon went to uh, Ball State. I mean, we had three Division One kids at the peak of that. Now, a lot of these private schools have either find, found financial aid or, you know, the parents could, you know, afford a good chunk of the, the tuition to where they're starting to go to the private school level because it's more of a year-round sport for those kids at the private school level. Not saying it's not at the, the public school, but private school – you know, we got the gym open. You know, when I was there, I, I, I had it open from 6 a.m. till pretty much 10 p.m. at night. I'd go in from like 6 to 8, go get some workout in and with the kids, and then be back from like 5 to 10. And it's a little different. I mean, again, this was when I was single and had no kids, had no wife, and I was able to do all that kind of stuff. But that's just was my mindset. I wanted those kids to be the best that they could be. And it all worked out at the end. Um, there are a lot of good public schools that run great programs as well here in the city. I mean, it all depends on like kind of what we were talking about earlier. 
how much are they vested in the basketball program if they're not having to do football or track and field? If you have a specialty coach that can only do basketball, I guarantee if you look at it on paper, those are probably the more successful programs in our city. Marcus, you mentioned some public school names early on in the conversation. Uh, you know, again, for out-of-towners like myself who always look at Texas and, and try to find some trends, a name like we always going to hear, Yates, right? Give us some of those names to those listening at home. They can maybe jot it down. And let's talk about that public school ball and, and what that's mean to the city or meant to the city, I should say. Um, you know, like I said earlier, traditionally schools like Yates High School um, always have, you know, state championship, the mythical national championship. Um, they were, you know, played on ESPN, set records. Um, back in the day, you had schools like Wheatley High School, in the 60s and 70s, they had guys go Division One and go to the NBA. Um, now, you know, you have programs like Shadow Creek. It's a newer program. Um, school's only been open maybe, you know, five to ten years, but they are dedicated to basketball. And so now you have parents who are having their kids transfer to schools or moving into the district of schools like Shadow Creek. Uh, another school, High Tower High School, which has also had a big-time tradition of Division One players. Um, also, they have the kid Bryce Griggs, who's a junior. They've had a lot of success, you know, the last 10 to 15 years. Um, so it's, it's just this year is a little weird because of the pandemic, obviously. Um, and so parents are, you know, with, with the UIL, which is our governing body here in the state of Texas, um, kind of having – setting some boundaries because of COVID. More parents are kind of taking their kids out of public schools and put them in charter schools, even private school situations because – there are less restrictions on the schedule. Um, you know, this year, UIL came down and said uh, the public schools can't play any showcase game or tournament. And if it is a showcase, it can only be a doubleheader. You know, so for a lot of kids who are, you know, and parents who have been invested in basketball for so long, they want, quote-unquote, a better schedule, better opportunity for their child. So they put them in schools like a legacy school, which is a charter school, or they put them in, other private schools to kind of get that um, feel back as far as having a really good basketball schedule. But historically in our state, schools like um, Yates, Hightower, Shadow Creek, um, you know, for some of the older coaches listening, Willow Ridge High School in the 80s and 90s um, had, a, had a good program. Manable High School has a solid basketball program now. So um, it, 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 it always kind of changes. Even now, Yates, as you know, powerful as, as they were, They've always had their runs and then go through like a little small lull. Well, these next couple of years for the Yates, it'll probably be a little bit of a lull. And, you know, Coach Greg Wise, he'll reload and get some more kids. Lupe, talk about, you know, the high school ball down in San Antonio. You guys obviously got some public school ball, but you also have one of the best private schools, uh, maybe even arguably in the country. So we'll talk a little bit about that. You know, it's it's really public school dominated. I'll be honest with you. You know, uh, it, they've tried to, to do some prep schools or, or private schools. So, like Cornerstone, where you saw us last year, you know, made an attempt at it, and then you know, it just it, like I said, it's a very conservative city, so it's kind of a a one year deal, and 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 it worked for the basketball kids. But it probably didn't work for the community. I don't think they're still ready to embrace it. I'll be real honest with you, uh, just from a conservative mindset. But I do see kind of a trend and 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 Marcus kind of led into it. I think because of this pandemic and any and everything that's going on, I'm not sure if in 10 years how important high school basketball will be. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I say that meaning I don't know how long it's going to take for a lot of these public schools to get financially back on their feet. So mm -hmm. if I'm an athletic director or superintendent and I can say, man, I can take all this financial responsibility from basketball off of my plate and hand it over to uh, uh, the club guys and, and uh, the uh, scouting services and ever take care of these kids. And all I have to do is play a 12-game schedule with guys we know have no ambitions of going to play college basketball and how much that saves me. Man, I'll tell you what, they'd probably be lined up to, to take that off their plate financially. And I, I see it trending that way. I think the prep school, I think the uh, – or mainly the prep school and, and a lot of these opportunities for kids who – who want to go to school, the online, I think the online just say, I think, think about it, right? You know, Austin at first was like, dad, this is kind of weird. And then after a while, it's like, I kind of like it because I get to, eat, you know, eat as much as I want all day. 
go and, <laughs> and, and work out. I mean, so it, it said, it told him, man, it's like going to any prep back in the day. You know, I go, so, you know, I, I think the athletes who, who are looking to put themselves at the highest level possible or give themselves the best opportunity to play at the highest level possible in basketball will trend that way as families will with online schooling. You get to go do a strength and conditioning guy during the game, get two or three workouts in, and then get to go play a national schedule. Marcus says, I'm, I'm telling you, I think it's trending that way. I give it 10 years. Hey, Nick, go ahead, Marcus. It's funny Lupe mentioned that about financially. We have two schools here in HISD, Houston School District, which is one of the biggest, I think it's the ninth largest school district in the country. Um, it's two high schools this year that are not going to play high school basketball at all um, because of the pandemic. Um, and so even in the district, the ones that are playing, they're not even allowing fans to uh, attend the game at all. So it's, you know, like just touching on what Lupe man like this pandemic is really altering um the landscape of high school basketball how some of these districts or some of these smaller schools who don't get the same rep how they look at the game um and, and then to, to kind of touch on what richard said earlier you look at a school like Duncanville. richard mentioned the fact that how um if the co- if, if the high school coach and the staff can be locked into basketball well david pb at duncanville and the staff they're strictly basketball and because of that, they probably would have won a back-to-back state championship last year, and they'll probably win it again this year. Um, just, just because because of the simple fact that all along he doesn't get to focus on basketball. He doesn't have to worry about which PE class is which, wearing a uniform, or he doesn't have the defensive uh, linebackers assignments. You know, for next week, he's locked in on basketball. And they have a, a tradition of winning. And because of that, like, they were able to, you know, win more games. And, and that means something in Texas, right? Because, you know, as they say, everything's bigger in Texas. So if you're winning a state championship <laughs> in Texas, then you beat out a lot more people. So for Duncanville, for example, or Yates or any of these, uh, you know, Dallas Carter for when they were doing their thing, like when these named schools were winning consistently, um, it was is a lot because of specialization. Would would you attest it to that? Yes, definitely. Uh, I'll attest it to, to and then you know, the victor goes to spoils. Duncanville starts winning. Now they attract more talent. Now people want to move into Duncanville to have their kids play a program like that, to be coached by guys who are vested and locked in to a child's success on and off the court. Um, so you know the the proof is always in the pudding. Once you see a program it's successful and they're winning and they're locked in. He said, Hey man, these guys like really care about the kids and they really care about the game. You know, it's, it's more attractive always. So, so you, you're alluding to, you know, families making decisions to be in school districts um, to be able to play in, in certain programs because of their tradition, because of their coaches and their ability and, and desire to, to be specialized in basketball. Let's talk about families real quick. Uh, Richard, I'll start with you and then go to you, Lupe. Like, what are families in, in Texas and in South Texas, mid, mid, you know, east to South Texas? What are you guys looking for as family units? What are the trends in terms of picking a college? These are some of the criteria that they really want to find. I mean, my biggest thing, as long as I've been doing this, has always been about the right fit. Uh, I mean, I'm a Houston guy. I got out of state right, wrong, or different, but I went out to South Alabama, which where I got to meet you even even more. Go Jags. Oh, yeah, go Jags, no doubt. So the, the biggest picture, I mean, since Houston has been a big hotbed for the last, probably since me and Sloan were, you know, back in high school, it started, you know, kind of trending that way back then, but even more so now, college coaches want to build those relationships with, with uh, coaches, AAU coaches, uh, organizations, whatever the case may be. And, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to fit for, you know, all these kids, uh, whether, you know, it comes down to um, uh, the the um, the recruitment of all, all these guys. My bad. I lost my train of thought there. But, um, yeah, so the biggest thing I always say is how are you going to fit in that program? Find a guy on that team right now, watch the film, and try to be that guy if you can picture yourself being there. Then you're a fit. Because I think 
when I was coming up, there was a guy at New Mexico State. I can't remember his name. But anyways, I was pretty much identical to the guy. Same build, 6'6", six, six, could shoot the ball, this, that, and the other. And for whatever reason, I decided not to go there. But I wasn't looking at the fit. I was, went down to South Alabama. They brought me down to the freaking beach, and I was like, this ocean, this beach is amazing. And that kind of lured me in a little bit more, and that's how I kind of got to South Alabama. You know what I mean? And I'm just telling you stuff that I went through to try to help you on that recruiting process as well. Lupe, what have, what have you noticed in, in terms of what family – obviously you're going through it now with, with your son, but all the other families that you've, you know, kind of helped guide in this process, what are families really seeking in the recruitment process? And I, I think fit, like, like Richard said, and relationship. You know, relationships. I think that's, that's a huge factor. That's a huge factor in our household, and it's something that, that we preached a lot in, in, uh, when we were helping kids through and – and, you know, good, bad, or ugly is, is that staff and that head coach going to be there for you, right? And, and I know, you know, we had one particular kid that, that Law and Sloan probably know who I'm talking about that, that went to a school up the road here from us, and, and he struggled his first year there. You know, and, and there was, you know, the chatter, he's leaving, and he might transfer and this and that. And, you know what, man, the staff stuck with him and, and got his confidence back and played really well last year. And I think, you know, this is going into his junior year, and he'll be a big factor at that school but if, if if he doesn't have the relationship with that staff and that staff doesn't believe in that kid then that's you know nine times out of that kid that kid's in the transfer portal and they're just bringing somebody into place because it's a business we all know that I mean shit it's business right but I think fit in a relationship because it's not when things go it's not if things go bad it's when they go bad you guys know that it's 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 never going to be you know all smooth sailing you're going to hit some bumps in the road and and are the relationships there good enough with the staff, the staff of the family and, and whoever the people in that particular kid's ears are going to be there to help them through it? Because they're all going to go through it. Every single kid's going to go through it. And that's why I do believe that fit makes the most sense and then relationships. So, uh, Marcus, let me ask you this. In, in my 12 years of college coaching, anytime we've had a – uh, last minute scholarship. There's always a name out of Texas that pops up. There's always a hidden gem. Uh, I mean, damn, Texas is so big. Of course, you're going to always find one. And they're always damn good, too. Like, it's never like, oh, this guy's not that. Like, it's always like, damn, how, how is this guy still available? So there's always a hidden gem. How, do, how does this, how does this, uh, you know, trend always occur? Because I know there's a lot of coaches that say, I used to work for one. He said, I always save one for a Texas kid late. Uh, why is that? Um, I, I, I think you've been at it. It's, it's, it's so many kids. Um, I have a scouting now, and I get all type of texts and DMs and calls about how I missed on a kid. I'm like, hey, listen, it's a million kids in Texas, literally, that, that play basketball and, and want to play basketball in college. And so people are going to miss all the time. And then also, too, Nima, man, sometimes like kids get better. Um I, I, I think sometimes kids, you know, they'll be in a certain class that's really loaded and some of these kids sign early and, you know, he kind of gets a chip on his shoulder and he's been working, he's been grinding and he gets an opportunity and he plays well against certain guys. And, you know, he's one of those things he's always had it in him. It's just he, need, he needed an opportunity. And, you know, sometimes during the season, guys get opportunity to play against other guys who signed already or, or other highly rated guys and they perform and they play well. And so um, that's why you always see in the spring, um, you know, guys kind of signing kids in Texas. But, but sometimes, man, coaches kind of – I feel like they kind of reach in the spring sometimes. Yeah. Uh, sometimes a coach will sign a kid in the spring. You'll be like, I didn't think he was that level. You guys are kind of reaching because you had one. You know, like you had to use it. Um, and, and that happens a lot too. Um, I mean, even here in the state, sometimes guys will see a kid in the spring – Knowing he's not their level, it's like, yo, you watched this kid for three summers and three years. You didn't think he was your level. Now, because you have one, you want to pull the trigger in the spring because, you know, you, you have one to give. So it, it it goes both ways. Interesting. Now, if if I'm a, a listener and I want to start to create and cultivate relationships within Texas. And I fall in this category. I mean, obviously I know you guys, but there's a lot of folks in Texas that I don't know. I haven't really recruited that state as much. 
Um, Richard, I'll start with you, and then Lupe, uh, you can follow up. What are some some advice you would give in, in in the making inroads and the how tos? I mean, first things first. I mean, like you know, coming into Houston. I mean, if you've been a college coach like you have for twelve years, right? Is that you said twelve years? Yeah. So chances are you probably have an ex-player of some sort that's probably coaching in the city or, or in, in a big city in Texas. Yeah. Chances are, I mean, Texas is such a big state, and I think it's, it's definitely a really good state. A lot of people like living here. You probably have a relationship with an old player. And nine times out of ten, he's probably involved in some sort of summer basketball. Maybe he's a high school coach, whatever. Your first step as a college coach, just reach out to him. It's that simple. Because, like, I think when we first started – uh, this conversation, if you live in this city, 90, you know, 90% of the people here are hospitable and want to take care of their kids. You know, we're, uh, you know, all three of these people on this call, you know, Lupe, Sloan, and myself, I mean, we're all about it, trying to take care of the kids. And most of the people outside of this uh, platform that we're on right now want, want what's best for the kids. There's always that percentage that don't. But if I was a college coach right now, I know I got, like, just right now, there's three people that live in the state of Texas that played at South Alabama that are involved in AAU basketball right now. I know that as a fact. So if I'm Rich, Richie Riley, for example, well, I'm trying to build a relationship, you know, keep these relationships with these guys, and we have that common goal. Well, fuck, I want guys to go to South Alabama too. Like, I mean, I love it there. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I think he's good enough. That's where I want to try to send him to if I think he's good enough. So, Lupe, what, what do you think about that subject? If I want to make some inroads, you know, I, I think it starts with with I'm going to go one a little bit further. I think in every region and every area, you got to you have a couple guys that really beat the streets that people respect, right? When I say beat the streets, you've got you know your Marcus Holmes, you got your Jimmy Hicks in Houston, right? So, so you, it's that's where you start. That's just me, right? Because now they're going to tell you in 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 one phone call, what it's going to take you 20 phone calls to make. Right. And that's just me. Right. I'm going to try to work smarter, not harder. You go out to Dallas and, you know, you got branch, you have Ani, Stacy Houston's and, you know, uh, a buff now, you know, who just recently got in, uh, uh, I'm not sure how much he's in with high school as much as the middle school stuff, but, um, down here in the central Texas area, I mean, uh, Alamo city hoops has, has started something, uh, I think Tim Littlefield, who works around the branches down here. So I think you kind of start there because those guys are in multiple events looking at multiple guys. And then from there, I think you kind of just filter down, right? You reach out to your AAU relationships of of guys that you either coached in college or guys like myself or Law or Sloan that you might know personally that, you know, Sloan was in the AAU world prior to his scouting service and, and kind of go from there. You know, and people you trust, you know, it doesn't take long to figure out who's in it for the kids and who's in it for something else. It doesn't. I mean, you know, guys reputation, it's a small circle, you know, you know, you're in a room with the guy and you're like, shit, I'm going to this guy, I know what this is about and, you know, kind of one of them things. But I think that's probably the easiest way, in my opinion. I, I love it. I love it. That's great advice. Um, what's something that you guys wish uh, college coaches would, uh, you know, be more aware of when recruiting your area? Uh, Rich, I'll start with you and then Marcus, you can follow up. We say being aware with like well, something you wish they would they would maybe do more of, um, you know. Man, I got you. Like when I first got started in, I kind of got started in the AAU while I was still playing basketball. I was overseas, and it was something I was doing during the summer to just start helping out. You know, give my knowledge of what I've learned as you know high school, college, and professional player. That's how I got my start. And one of the first guys that was really like trying to help me out was a guy named Mark Armorall that was at uh, Colorado State at the time. With, uh, the guy that was at Nebraska just got let go there two years ago. Yeah, yeah. And man, they used to have a uh, a sit down deal where about you know anybody was invited to go to, and you just you know talk hoops, X and O's. This they're just trying to ingrain um, relationships with high school and AAU community in the city of Houston. And since they've left, I haven't really seen anybody like that. But, man, that was a pretty cool deal back in, you know, 2007, 2008, somewhere around there. 
And that, that was a pretty nice little deal. When Mike Rhodes was here at uh, Rice, he did a hell of a job of, you know, reaching out to all of us AAU and high school guys. And he kind of did a similar thing. And he made you feel, you know, important, uh, regardless of who you were. So stuff like that, I think, is something a lot of these coaches probably can do. Uh, Lupe, you, you got anything you know, to add? I, yeah, I think the same thing. I think, you know, uh, at one point, you know, and I hear this from college coaches all the time, right? They say, man, I think San Antonio is one of the most under-recruited or Central Texas, one of the most under-recruited areas in the country. And, you know, you just take in particular just this 21 class and the 22 class, right? So in 21 class, you've got, you know, uh, you know, you got KJ Adams and Zach Clemens both uh, signed today with Kansas. You know, Langston Love is coming to Baylor. I'm not sure if he signed today or not. Uh, all San Antonio and, and Austin kids, right? And you've got the the class behind it with with my son and Vinci Wachuku, who's out at at La Lamere, and, and and we've got a couple other kids here who will be high majors and a couple mid major kids. Uh, Jay Sean Jackson, the uh, Blue Man's boy, who just signed today, also with uh, UTRGV. So, I think the ones who regionally have always done a good job. I'll say that. I'm, I, I can't mean every Texas school has done a great job coming into, into this area. And you'll see some of the state team or, or, you know, who's like South, I want to say it's South Dakota State has come in and taken a couple of kids from San Antonio. Yeah. Uh, Northern Colorado has kind of come in and taken a couple of kids. Uh, Cal State Fullerton. So I think the 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 coaches from some of those lower uh, low majors to mid-major schools I think if, if they plug their head in here a little bit more, we'll probably be able to take a kid that probably honestly might go too high. You know, he might end up going to, you know, a level too high and end up transferring when he probably should have gone to a low major. It's just the fact that I think a lot of those out of state schools that are low majors to mid major minuses are probably scared to come into the state just because they think, you know, shoot, man, as a kid to leave, they have so many different options. You know, I, I think that's probably a detriment to us as a state because we have so many schools and, and, and you know, I mean, guys, so you, you, everyone will tell you, man, coming to recruit in Texas is a different animal. I can't tell you how many coaches tell me that, you know, yeah, and that's a perception you know, and, and that's also a deterrent. And so hopefully this, um, you know, debugs that deterrent because you just named some schools that uh, obviously have done a good job of identifying a region saying, you know what, we're going to make some inroads in that region, and then they're going to get some yeses out of that region. Um, and that's what the name of the game, right? Absolutely. 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 All right, so uh, before we wrap up, we're, we're going to start this segment here called Fast Break. Uh, this is our – see there, Rich, you like that? My, for all those watching, the, the high-tech banner. Yeah, I was always so good at running the Fast Break, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming you were the trail fork. Trail four, baby. Nail that three down. Pitch it back and shoot it. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to toss it around. Ask each of you guys a question. Everyone's going to answer the same question, but you cannot repeat an answer that someone else um, gives. All right. So make sure you stick within the rules. If you if you take too long, I'm just buzz you and and we're going to move on. All right. So uh, first question. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go to Rich. Uh, best Houston baller in college right now. Oh man, that's I can't even think right now on top of my head like that. <laughs> I can't hey, we try to promote you. Oh, come on, no, hold on, come on, long. I'm gonna go coming back to you. Slow Houston, Kendrick Davis. There we go, Slow. Kendrick Davis, SMU, SMU. Very good, Lupe. View of age. There you go, Jordan. Uh, Jordan Burns at Colgate. Okay, now Lupe, I'm coming right back to you. Best San Antonio baller out there in college. I've seen your neck of the woods. Uh, Jordan Burns, Colgate. Okay, uh, want to switch it up now a little bit. Which assistant coach? Okay, which assistant coach? Uh, Marcus, I'm gonna start with you. Richard, you go next. Uh, recruits your region the best. Well, that's a loaded question. I ain't answering that one. Start with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, Lupe, you. You've been giving clemency on that. I'm sorry. Think that one through, Marcus. Uh, who do you got? Who, who's recruiting the areas very well? I would say Kellen Sampson, U of H. Okay, Rich. I'm gonna go Jerome Tang. 
Both of those guys doing a great job. And Lupe, you you get clemency, and your son's a very good ball player. Um, now we're going to go, and and also Lupe, you're going to be uh, excused from this question. What college, what program? Give me a different name of one of the ones mentioned. Rich, I'll start with you. What program is doing a really good job of creating inroads within the state? Um, I would say since um, Buzz Williams got at A and M, I mean he's done an unbelievable job. So they're doing a great job there. Marcus? Uh, I will say the staff at Louisiana Tech. Great name. Shout out to Coach Conco and crew. Um, Okay. Uh, True or false? Is everything bigger in Texas? Lupe, you tap back in. Absolutely. We should be our own country. With (laughs) conviction. With conviction. Marcus? That's a fact. Richard? Definitely a fact. Okay, you heard it here. It's confirmed. Everything is bigger in Texas. Then last but not least, have the Dallas Cowboys lost their right to be called America's team? Absolutely. Marcus says yes. Richard. I'm going yes. Lupe. How about them Cowboys? Man, you're wrong, Lupe. You're wrong. They have lost their right to be called America's team. My team doesn't even have a a name anymore, but – I'm just revoking the uh, privilege. <laughs> Listen, this was uh, this is a great conversation, educational. Again, I hope the the coaches and fans listening out there chime into the conversation on social media. Make sure you also like and subscribe uh, to to this podcast through the tunnel. But let's keep the dialogue going. All the coaches that are listening that want to get. Um, connected to these gentlemen or anybody else within the state, please feel free to reach out to me. Social media is at Nemo Midbar, N-I-M-A-O-M-I-D-B-A-R. Um, but but let's have a dialogue. We're here to help you create those inroads because it's all about making opportunities for these kids that are within the states, that play within these guys' programs. Um, I've, I've had an affinity for all three of these gentlemen because of the way they carry themselves, the way they handle their business, and I uh, hope to be able to maybe make an introduction for you guys. Uh, thanks again. We are now going back out through the tunnel. Thanks for joining us. Until next time. Appreciate it.